Anchor FM Radio. Selena Carp, Shield the Beast. We're going to be doing Frederic Bastiat Law, Part 2. From a free society. Anchor with me. Anchor FM Radio. Anchor FM Radio, Zelena Karp, Shildebeast. Anchor with me. And so is it evident, as Bestiat says, then that the proper purpose of law is to use the power of its collective force to stop this fatal tendency to plunder instead of to work. All the measures of the law should protect property and punish plunder. But generally, the law is made by one man or one class of men. And since law cannot operate without the sanction and support of a dominating force, this force must be entrusted to those who make the laws, which cannot be people like Trump. This fact combined with the fatal tendency that exists in the heart of man to satisfy his wants with the least possible effort explains the utmost universal perversion of the law. Thus, it is easy to understand how law, instead of checking injustice, becomes the invisible weapon of injustice. It is easy to understand why the law is used by the legislature, our Congress, this President select our public officials, municipal, state, and federal leaderships, and on many instances, our national security is compromised for this very reason. To destroy in varying degrees among the rest of the people their personal independence by slavery, their liberty by oppression, and their property by plunder. This is done for the benefit of the person who makes the law and in proper proportion, excuse me, to the power that he holds. And so when you have a person in power that has a desire for himself, has an interest for himself, oh, everything must point back to himself. Such a pathology with his narcissism. that There is no room for the consideration, the sincere genuine consideration of others. How is it when you are too focused on yourself? And so what we are witnessing with our leadership and especially with the president select, and that is why we need to focus on this this 2020 campaign is it's not a regular campaign. People, we it has been 400 years. It has been over 400 years. And we have been in bondage with systematic means of oppression. Oppression is not just an unlawful, illegal strategy displaced on men by other men. But it is against God. And it is against the commandments. And it doesn't matter if you're really a religious person or if you're an atheist. I think that we can all agree that having a human regard makes life a bit more simpler. If I need to trade with you for something, if I have something of a value and I need to monetize off of that, that it matters 
that I can hold you in a regard to even substantiate these relationships. And so when you have a person in leadership that doesn't even understand the value of each man, because this person is worthless. This person is worthless and he's valued by an entitled privileged system. And when does that stop? When does that disturbia stop? Are are we perplexed with the delusion of someone else? Are we supposed to be stuck in that? When we can create our own illusion? Our own hallucinogenic life? From behavior? We can oppress ourselves that way. And yet we don't need a person in leadership. Not over these United States here. Not over any corporation. Because it's not in the interest of anyone. Because it breeds bondage and slavery. And so it is plunder. It is legal. Plunder through legislature. We have a Congress that is not man enough. Man enough to stand up against one man. And it's plunder that charges poor people for health insurance. It is plunder that charges spin downs at social welfare programs. It is plunder to call it charity when you are using people's identification to get something for that. But you're giving them nothing. It is plunder. Victims of lawful plunder. Men naturally rebel against the injustice of which they are victims. Thus, when plunder is organized by law for the profit of those who make the law Medicare, all the plundered classes taxing try somehow to enter by peaceful or revolutionary means into the making of laws according to the degree of enlightenment. These plundered classes may propose one of two entirely different purposes. When they attempt to attain political power, either they may wish to stop lawful plunder or they may wish to share in it. And what we are witnessing is that we have a corrupt leadership, a corrupt subordinate system that is conducting themselves willfully. Willfulness means Intent. And intent means you had an intention to do. And so it is plunder. And it is a perpetrator of a fraud on the citizens in America. Anchor with me according to their degree of enlightenment. These plunder classes may propose. Remember that. Woe to the nation when this latter purpose prevails among the mass victims of lawful plunder, when they in turn seize the power to make laws. Until that happens, the few practice lawful plunder upon the many, a common practice where the right to participate in the making of law is limited to a few persons. That is where we have this discretionary things, where I, I coined that a modern term for discrimination. And where we have this blacklisting in society where we can just categorize a person as whatever we want so we can oust them or keep them out of a trade or profession up from an educational experience that, that they should as well be entitled to just from living. But that's, that's for later. 
As soon as the plunder classes gained political power, they established a system of reprisals against other classes. They do not abolish legal plunder. This objective would demand more enlightenment than they possess. And I wonder where he gets that from because it makes me think that one thinks of less of me and my intellect. But he goes on to say instead, they emulate their evil predecessors by participating predecessors by participating in this legal plunder, even though it is against their own interests. It is as if it were necessary before a reign of justice appears for everyone to suffer a cruel retribution, some for their evilness and some for their lack of understanding. But why would that happen? It's just impossible to even believe something like that will happen when it would just take too long for something up, such an uprising. People aren't really interested in um, being uh, as hateful as others are continuing the battle of war. You're only going to have a few that's really interested in that gravel. But people really, I think as a whole, we can all agree that we just want peace. A form of harmony uh, in our world, individually. And so we have a system here full of plunder that just forbids it, and it always has its hands out. If I can barely survive, I can barely afford the overhead of my company and my employees, how could someone else who has more than me expect for me to help them? But they never have to help me or effect a change for one like me. And society privileges them, entitles them, to many benefits and opportunities. And so it's plunder. And the results of legal plunder, it is impossible to introduce into society a greater change and a greater evil than this. The conversion of the law into an instrument of plunder, which is what we witnessed with Trump and this administration, Congress and our state laws and the way the legal system and our law enforcement functions. No one should be murdered simply because they advocate. No one should be so afraid that they stop driving or they stay inside of their homes. It's too, it, it, it is beyond plunder. When you have a system that is so displacing, so discomforting, it is beyond offensive. And in the first place, it erases from everyone's conscience the distinction between justice and injustice. And so no one actually knows the difference. No society can exist unless the laws are respected to a certain degree. The safest way to make laws respected is to make them respectable. When law and morality contradict each other, the citizen has the cruel alternative of either losing his moral sense or losing his respect for the law. And so we see this happening because many of us are just, we're, we're juggling. We're on a seesaw with this. We're on a seesaw with this. And sometimes that fall is bouncing and it's hard and hurts. And sometimes that rises quick. And you're held up for a while. And then sometimes you find yourself with some balance. But how often does the other side be so fair and so equal that you will have that? That you can even extend or share that with your offspring or those that are important to you, as they are. And so I call it plunder. 
anchor with me. These two evils are of equal consequence. And it would be difficult for a person to choose between them. The nature of law is to maintain justice. This is so much the case that in the minds of the people, law and justice are one and the same thing. There is in all of us a strong disposition to believe that anything lawful is also legitimate. But is that true? I mean, honestly, because a police officer shoots a human being, we see the debate and the argument all the time, the justification, the criminality of the deceased. They can't defend themselves. In many instances, often it's children. And so I call it something beyond plunder. But Bestiat said that there is such an evil to a lawful plunder. The consequences are irreparable. And that is what we are living. How do we maintain law with an unlawful structure? Anchor with me. Examples of legal plunder we suffer from today. Driving, the right to travel. We should be able to travel at a free will, but it's restricted by legislature. And so then we have to go and we have to go to DMV, a corporation, and then we have to go, we have to pay another corporation for insurance, and we have to go to DMV and we have to get registration. But let me tell you the, the, the game about this. Because see, you could pay, an insurance company will take your money and give you insurance. You could go to DMV and they'll tell you that you can't get your vehicle registered for some odd reason. And so now you got some insurance that you can't utilize. And you got a car that you can't register as if you're doing something wrong. And so you're being criminalized because you're just simply trying to exercise your human right to travel. Which is being infringed upon by a man in his classes legislature and its system. And so with all this plunder with health care, with Medicare for all and wanting to charge poor people for health care as they are doing now without even providing poor disabled people uh, even any assistance with eating and telling poor disabled people to go to the pantry's pantry you can go once a month that's a few times a year and you go once a month and they don't even give you, you it's not like you're getting meat it's not like they're giving you enough meat for three meals out a day you're lucky if you get a piece of meat for yourself for the day so that means you got 29 other days or possibly 30 to starve but your landlord must be paid or you're a bad person or the Light company must be paid or you're a bad person. The cable company, because we, we need to watch the news. And so the government has created all of these needs for us to have to pay these businesses for our needs. To, you, to, use, to use a need. Does that make sense? It's plunder. It's plunder. You have a car insured and registered. It has to be renewed, registered. That's not a criminal thing. It's a civil matter. But law enforcement is killing people all the time over driving, the right to travel. So many people are like, okay, 
when their car come up missing off the street and it was insured, registered, and just renewed because DMV even sent a thank you on the day the car was stolen and sold to local police department. Come on now, this is plunder. Anchor with me. Anchor with me. Okay? This belief is so widespread that many persons have erroneously held that things are just because law makes them so. Thus, in order to make plunder appear just and sacred to many consciences, it is only necessary for the law to decree and sanction it. So just say so. Say it so. Like Trump said, you're not hearing what you're hearing and you're not seeing what you're seeing. You listen to what I'm telling you and you see what I want you to see. <laughs> Anchor with me. Anchor with me. Thus, in order to make plunder appear just and sacred to many consciences, it is only necessary for the law to decree and sanction it, which means they regulate it, they put it into policy, and implement it into practice. And so then you have housing authorities creating third parties with local law enforcement. Law enforcement know that they can't violate the Fourth Amendment. You can't illegally search and seize a person's home. You can't violate a person's Fifth Amendment. You can't violate a person's First Amendment. But they overstretch their boundaries under the color of law so colorably because they believe that this fictitious, this, this job can be taken from you at any given moment. It's just a job. You're not born like that. Somebody's giving you permission to do this. Plunder. Slavery. Implementation of enslavement tactics systematically. Restrictions and monopoly. Ways for them to monopolize. You know, you can monetize just about off of anything having to do with someone else. If you set up the platform for it. Anchor with me. Find offenders not only among those who profit from them, but also among those who suffer from them. So then you find the people who are hurt by it as well. They're in suffrage, but they're willing to go along with you just to get a little few more crumbs. It's absurd. If you suggest a doubt as to the morality of these institutions, it is boldly said that you are a dangerous innovator. A utopian, a theist, a subversive theorist. These days we use the word conspiracy theorist. Maybe collusionist. <laughs> you would shatter the foundation upon which society rests. If you lecture upon morality or upon political science, there will be found official organizations petitioning the government in this vein of thought. That science no longer be taught exclusively from the point of view of free trade, of liberty, of property, and of justice, as has been the case until now, but also in the future. Science is to be especially taught from the viewpoints of the facts and laws that regulate French industry. Facts and laws Bastiat uses, which are contrary to liberty, to property, and to justice. That's in government-endowed teaching positions, the professor rigorously refrained from endangering in the slightest degree the respect due to the laws now in force. 
Thus, if there exists a law which sanctions slavery or monopoly, oppression or robbery in any form whatsoever, it must not ever be mentioned. Well, we did get Lincoln, which gave us the Emancipation Proclamation. But we know that slavery did not end in. We know that oppression did not end in. We know that it was systematically perversely changed. But we, we do know. So for how can it be mentioned without damaging the respect which it inspires? Still further, morality and political economy must be taught from the viewpoint of this law. From the supposition that it must be a just law merely because it is a law. And I am telling you simply because a man, McDonald Trump, states that an executive order is a law, that it is not. It is merely a fictitious ideology, an overexerted reach, and an active, active violation of international law for one to even conduct themselves in the conduct of human trafficking. And we all do know what's happening at those borders. And so to try to systematically shift it, well, we're going to just throw these people and to these communities and pose our citizens at risk. Is, is that really what we're, we're not calling this a national emergency? Anchor with me. Myself with somebody from a real tribe and a real community yeah. that makes music about my experience. To be treated like a rapper or be, you know, have rap expectations. Uh -huh. I just I felt that it was just a different texture. Not to say better or worse, just it was different. You know what it is, superstar. Anchor with me, Zelina Carp. If you suggest a doubt as to the morality of these institutions, it is boldly said that you are a dangerous innovator, a utopian, a theorist, a subversive. You would shatter the foundation upon which society rests, Trump. And so I hope that you heard, so I had to repeat it. Not for redundancy, for clarity. If you lecture upon morality or upon political science, there will be found official organizations petitioning the government in this vein of thought. That science no longer be taught exclusively from the point of view of free trade, of liberty, of property, and of justice. And so I just want you to remember that, and then I will repeat. Taught from the viewpoint of the facts and laws that regulate French industry. Facts and laws which are contrary to liberty, to property, and to justice. That in government endowed teaching positions, the professor rigorously refrain from endangering in the slightest degree the respect due to the laws now in force. Thus, if there exists a law which sanctions 
slavery or monopoly, oppression or robbery, is what we call illegal forfeiture. But is it not the same thing as a theft? As someone stealing from you off of the streets? Oh no, I believe that in fact it is the same thing. And maybe even perhaps worser because of the cloth of authority in its colorableness that is being exerted and utilized so abusively to be inhumane to others. If must not ever be mentioned, for how can it be mentioned without damaging the respect which it inspires? Still further, morality and political economy must be taught from the point of view of this law, from the supposition that it must be a just law merely because it is a law merely because a man merely because a class merely because a group says that it is law but is it law when it is unlawful and do we continue to follow behind unlawfulness and call it lawful universal suffrage bastiat Another effect of this tragic perversion of the law is that it gives an exaggerated importance to political passions and conflicts and to politics in general. I could prove this assertion in a thousand ways, but by way of illustration, I shall limit myself to a subject that has lately occupied the minds of everyone. Universal suffrage. The followers of Rosal's school of thought who consider themselves far advanced, but whom I consider 20 centuries behind the times, will not agree with me on this. But universal suffrage, using the word in its strictest sense, is not one of those sacred dogmas which it is a crime to examine or doubt. In fact, serious objections may be made to universal suffrage. In the first place, the word Universal conceals a gross falsity. For example, there are 36 million people in France. Thus, to make the right of suffrage universal, there should be 36 million voters. But the most extended system permits only 9 million people to vote. And so now we have a system that has spent years and decades, hundreds of years even, on voting rights of human beings, voting rights of citizens, and the right to partake in a petition and the right to partake in the assembly of a government and the right to assemble yourselves to construct one. <laughs> and so there are, in fact, serious objections that are critical to universal suffrage. And we are seeing many of us are not being accounted for Three persons out of four are excluded. And more than this, they are excluded by the fourth. This fourth person advances the principle of incapacity as his reason for excluding the others. Universal suffrage means then universal suffrage for those who are capable. But there remains this question of fact. Who is capable? Are minors, females, insane persons, and persons who have committed certain major crimes, even under the badge of authority? 
Because the judge, the prosecutor, the ADA, your friends, your colleagues say that you are innocent and they say that you are not going to be convicted for the crime that in fact we see you on camera committing. A sin, in fact. But a violation, an unlawful act committed against a human. An inhumane terroristic act. And it is hateful. To simply kill a man because of what he has acquired. Because of what he may acquire. Because of your jealousy or your envy for this man. And so that is why uh, the fourth is never counted. Because the third is not either. And so universal suffrage means then universal suffrage for those who are capable. Those who are capable and who determines capability. And we are seeing it in our legal system where they are trying to give authority to child pedophilic school teachers and principals and employees of the school district when we know they have a pattern of behavior that is sinister and pedophilic. They want to give authority to confine you and to detain you in more than one ways to a police officer that does not retain the communicable skills to communicate with a diverse society with such an efficacy that he retains and displays such authority that a job cannot give you. And so it's plunder that contributes to universal suffrage. And universal suffrage affects all of us just as plunder affects us. Anchor with me. And so how do you see that there are not, there are no dangers in that. We have been having this discussion for way too long. A discussion for way too long that needs to be debated and finalized. A closer examination of the subject shows us the motive which causes the rights of suffrage to be based upon the supposition of incapacity. The motive is that the elector or voter does not exercise this right for himself alone, but for everybody. The most extended elective system and the most restricted elective system are alike in this respect. They differ only in respect to what constitutes incapacity. It is not a difference of principle, but merely a difference of degree. If as the Republicans of our present day, <laughs> the McDonald's, the Trumps, The Sanders, the Higgins, Greek and Roman schools of thought pretend the rights of suffrage. Roman schools of thought pretend the rights of suffrage arise with one's birth. It would be an injustice for adults to prevent women and children from voting. Why are they prevented? Because they are presumed to be incapable. And why is incapacity a motive for exclusion? Because it is not the voter alone who suffers the consequences of his vote. Because each vote touches and affects everyone in the entire community. Because the people in the community have a right to demand some safeguards concerning the acts upon which their welfare and existence depend. And so when we are electing, voting for our political leaders, we want to believe and trust that these people are going to have our welfare, our safety, our world at heart. 
that progressiveness does not harm us, that it constitutes the very meaning of living and what humanity is. Anchor with me. I know that what might be said in answer to this, what the objections might be, but this is not the place to exhaust a controversy of this nature. I wish merely to observe here that this controversy over universal suffrage, as well as most other political questions, which agitates, excites, and overthrows nations, would lose nearly all of its importance if the law had always been what it ought to be. If we could just focus on Ten Commandments, which are very reasonable for any person, for any reasonable-minded person. And so how do we continue to develop a system and call it innovative and advanced when we are leaving out those who are incapacitated, those that we define as having incapacity, an incapacity to be able to vote, an incapacity to be able to care for themselves or for someone else, and so, who is privileged and entitled so distortedly to be making such a decision of incapacitation when they themselves are the creation of disturbance, of such a debilitation, of incapacity that is becoming a worldwide national thing of harm to all cultures and all nations because we are not two. Anchor with me. In fact, if law were restricted to protecting all persons, all liberties and all properties, if law were nothing more than the organized combination of the individual's right to self-defense, if law were the obstacle, the check, the punisher of all oppression and plunder, is it likely that we citizens would then argue much about the extent of the franchise? Would we be debating disenfranchisement? Absolutely not, because equality would exist and therefore there will be some checks and there will be some balances in society. Because when equality exists, there is some checks and some balances in society. And so it is plunder. It is a plunder of a government and a legislature that continues a deceptive plunder that is costing my brothers and my sisters of all nations of all backgrounds, of all creeds. And if they are affected, then my children are affected. Well, then I am affected. This is unlawful behavior that we are being subjected to. And this book was written in the 1800s. We are in 2019. Sustaining a systematic universal suffrage, terrorism at its finest, at its most refined moment. Under these circumstances, is it likely that the extent of the right to vote would endanger that supreme good, the public peace? Is it likely that the excluded classes would refuse to peaceably await the coming of their right to vote? Is it likely that those who had the right to vote would jealously defend their privilege? If the law were confined to its proper functions, everyone's interest in the law would be the same. 
Is it not clear that under these circumstances, those who voted could not inconvenience those who did not vote? And so do we not understand how important your vote affects me, my vote affects thee? And the fatal idea of legal plunder. But on the other hand, imagine that this fatal principle has been introduced. Under the pretense of organization, regulation, protection, or encouragement, the law takes property from one person and gives it to another. The law takes the wealth of all and gives it to a few. Whether farmers, manufacturers, ship owners, artists, or comedians, rappers, writers, actors, teachers, lawyers, it is plunderful. Under these circumstances, then certainly every class will aspire to grasp the law and logically so. The excluded classes will furiously demand their right to vote and will overthrow society rather than not to obtain it. Even beggars and vagabonds will then prove to you that they also have an incontestable title to vote. They will say to you, we cannot buy wine, tobacco, or salt without paying the tax. And a part of the tax that we pay is given by law in privileges and subsidiaries. To men who are richer than we are, others use the law to raise the prices of bread, meat, iron, or cloth. In our society today, it is all and it is both. Thus, since everyone else uses the law for his own profit, uses the law for his own profit, a bond in a judicial system, a bond in a criminal system, a penal system. We demand from the law the right to relief, which is the poor man's plunder. To obtain this right, to obtain this right, we also should be voters and legislators in order that we may organize beggary on a grand scale for our own class. As you have organized protection on a grand scale for your class. Now, don't tell us beggars that you will act for us and then toss us as Mr. Memorial, textile manufacturing politician, proposes 600,000 francs to keep us quiet, like throwing us a bone to Noah. We have other claims, and anyway, we wish to bargain for ourselves as other classes have bargained for themselves. And what can you say to answer that argument? As long as it is admitted that the law may be diverted from its true purpose, it can be admitted that the law may be diverted from its true purpose, that it may violate property instead of protecting it. Then everyone will want to participate in making the law lobbying. Investing in people to go out and engage in our political charades. Pretending to be a Democrat when in fact they're a full-blooded modern Republican. Plunderful. It's just plunder. And what can you say to answer that argument? Political questions will always be prejudicial, dominant, and all-observing. There will be fighting at the door of the legislative palace, and the struggle within will be no less furious. To know this, it is hardly necessary to examine what transpires in the French and English legislatures. And that is where our laws, the United States Continental Congress, derives from.
They departed, broke themselves off and fought Britain for their independence from their mother nations. And then partook in annihilating us, the native tribes, so that they can take over the property, which is the land. Property, which can be deemed chattel, which is the people and farming crops and the food and the animals used to eat and to cloth it. And the culture and the identity that comes with all of that. With the assimilation of something that they call education. But they don't have to promise you to be able to be literate after 12 years. As I call it 12 years enslaved. Anchor with me. Is there any need to offer proof that this odious perversion of the law is a perpetual source of hatred and discord? That it tends to destroy society itself. I call it perpetual fraud. If such proof is needed, look at the United States in 1850. There is no country in the world where the law is kept more within its proper domain. The protection of every person's liberty and property. As a consequence of this, there appears to be no country in the world where the social order rests on a firmer foundation. But even in the United States, where are two issues. There are two issues. And only two that have always endangered the public peace. Of course, other than the initial influx of immigration and infiltration and invasion. What are these two issues? They are slavery and tariffs. Slavery and tariffs which create debts and taxes and human use as chattel human trafficking systems and tactics of trafficking human beings to profit and to monetize off of them. And it is done through the government first, just as any drugs get into the country. Anchor with me. It is thunder. These are the only two issues where contrary to the general spirit of the Republic of the United States, law has assumed the character of a plunderer <laughs> under the spirit of the United States, which we know is a democracy, law has assumed the character of a plunderer. Slavery is a violation by law of liberty. The protective tariff is a violation by law of property. It is a most remarkable fact that this double legal crime, a sorrowful inheritance from the old world, should be the only issue which can and perhaps will lead to the ruin of the Union. It was a Union then, of the Confederacy. Federalism. It is indeed impossible to manage at the very heart of a society a more astounding fact than this. The law has come to be an instrument of injustice. It's the South loved slavery. They understood there was a profit in it, in their original proletariat class of the creation of the United States. The bondage of people and total annihilation of identity. And so we have Africans talking down on Americans on this soil in our land after begging for citizenship, after getting opportunities here. We have our own people coming from a foreign land here defiling us without 
Knowing history and lacking all history, that all culture and identity, and us lacking that knowledge has nothing to do with us. It has to do with a very proportionate, very distinguished promise amongst a union. Even before Willie Lynch Project. To interfere in the Burberry life, <laughs> in any colorism, in any nativity. And therefore, we are have no laws truly that are protecting us. They are actually intact to continue to protect the predator. And we are going to continue to see that until the masses of the coloreds has enough of such an astounding, hideous injustice. It is indeed impossible to imagine at the very heart of a society a more astounding fact than this. The law has come to be an instrument of injustice. And if this fact brings terrible consequences to the United States, where the proper purpose of the law has been perverted only in the instances of slavery and tariffs, that is where laws were derived from. Have to create, per perpetrate legality in the appearance of something so that we can go and use this over people with our firearms to force them and condemn them into suffrage. A universal suffrage that continues. What must be the consequences in Europe where the perversion of the law is a principle, a system? We know that there are two kinds of plunder. Mr. De Montalembert, politician and writer adopting the thoughts contained in a famous proclamation by Mr. Curlier, chief of Paris police, has said, we must make war against socialism. Because although socialism is being reformed now, because that's what happens with things when it's distorted after a while, it was a sense of freedom and liberty in the 1800s. According to the definition of socialism advanced by Mr. Charles Dumpin, political economist, he meant, we must make war against plunder. Or is that what he meant? But of what plunder was he speaking? For there are two kinds of plunder, legal and illegal. I do not think that illegal plunder, such as theft or swindling, which the penal code defines, anticipates, and punishes, can be called socialism. It is not this kind of plunder that systematically threatens the foundations of society. Anyway, the war against this kind of plunder has not waited for the command of these gentlemen. The war against illegal plunder has been fought since the beginning of the world, long before the revolution. Of February 1848, long before the appearance even of socialism itself, France had provided police, judges, gendarmes, prisons, dungeons, and scaffolds for the purpose of fighting illegal plunder. The law itself conducts this war, and it is my wish and opinion that the law should always maintain this attitude toward plunder. But it does not always do this. Sometimes the law defends plunder and participates in it.
Thus, the beneficiaries are spared the shame, danger, and scruple, which their acts would otherwise involve. Sometimes the law places the whole apparatus of judges, police, prisons, and gendarmes at the service of the plunderers and treats the victim when he defends himself as a criminal. When the system treats the victim as the criminal, which is what we've seen with Josie, regardless to what he reported a crime, why could the crime not have been the focus of the authorities and law enforcement? Why was there a motive to find something wrong, bad, negative, or a criminal conduct under the penal system for Josie to be confined and detained? Persecuted, fined, bonded. Because it is in their interest. As we are still experiencing it. In short, there is a legal plunder. And it is of this, no doubt, that Mr. de Montalembert speaks. This legal plunder may be only an isolated stain among the legislative measures of the people. If so, it is best to wipe it out with a minimal of speeches and denunciations, and in spite of the uproar of the vested interests. Legal plunder defined. But how is this legal plunder to be identified? Quite simply, See, if the law takes from some persons what belongs to them and gives it to other persons to whom it does not belong, that is plunder. It is theft. It is stealing. And so if you take something from a person because of, uh, let's say, weather that has nothing to do with the human being, it's out of that human being's power as it is out of yours. You couldn't change the weather. But if you see an opportunity to profit off of Mother Nature, to penalize a human being, to steal the property of a human being because of a snowstorm, because of your job under its colorable authority, oh, I'm just going to take this car, I'm just going to document whatever I want. It's not registered, it's not sure, it's abandoned. Full lies, no facts. That is legal plunder. And you are stealing. You have conducted yourself in the same theft as any other teenage boy going and hopping in someone's vehicle, taking the goods out and removing them. Legal plunder that we are experiencing at its finest. Too harmful. Too harmful. Because it's not really isolated. It's not at all. See, if the law benefits one citizen at the expense of another by doing what the citizen himself cannot do without committing a crime, that is legal plunder. Then abolish this law without delay, for it is not only an evil itself, but also it is a fertile source for further evils because it invites reprisals. If such a law, which may be an isolated case, is not abolished immediately, it will spread, multiply, and develop into a system. And thereby we will be affected 
systematically by systematic harms. Microaggressively, passive-aggressively, through documents, falsifying through fraudulent means and denials of entitlements and privileges, through policies and practices, and then federal laws and state laws will be the reasoning behind it. And so that is horrible, dangerous legal plunder. If such a law, which may be an isolated case, which it is not, is not abolished immediately, it will spread, multiply, and develop into a system. The person who profits from this law will complain bitterly, defending his acquired rights, his entitlement to your goods and your services, his privilege to be able to have asserted authority over stripping you of your property, even a life. Because if you use your job to manipulate your way inside of someone's home, you don't know what a man is doing inside of his home. It's his privacy. He can be doing anything. And any man in his right mind being surprised by strangers are going to have a human reflex or human response. And that is their human right. It's not privilege. It is not an assertion of an entitlement or privilege for me to behave according to my likeness. For me to respond or to react in accordance to a circumstance or a situation that I'm being subjected to. Especially if it's law enforcement breaking into my home. I haven't committed any crimes. And in, as a result, death. Results of that. That is unlawful, illegal, and legal plunder. Because they have utilized systematically under the color of law. Their authority, their badge to get into, to break into an innocent citizen's home for whatever their motives or purposes is. And you can never say it is to help a person when death is a result of it. These are inhumane consequences, inhumane persecutions, inhumane travesties. And there are humans that still have to live with that, those realities that are being denigrated, ignored. Anchor with me. And so I can never accept plunder, plunder of any sorts, because such a person who profits from their will, utilizing the law, then complain bitterly, Trump, Trump, Trumpers, defending his acquired rights. His mother came here off a Transylvania ship, falsified immigration documents, and he remained in this country illegally. As she committed fraud, and if she was deported, then he would never have been born here. Plunder. And so then we are stuck with an incapacity an incapacitated president select because we have a nation at the hands of universal suffrage, economically, psychologically, still in a disturbia, in a state of psychological displacement that leaves you at the expense of plunder. He will claim that the state is obligated to protect and encourage his particular 
industry, not your rights as a human, not your private rights as a human. No, he's entitled to your privacy as he's a public paid official. But he will assert his state's obligation to protect and encourage his particular interest in his industry and that he has an interest in your goods. That this procedure enriches the state because the protected industry is thus able to spend more and to pay higher wages to the poor working men. Do not listen to this sophistry by vested interests. The acceptance of these arguments will build legal plunder into a whole system. In fact, this has already occurred. The present day delusion is an attempt to enrich. Do you hear? In 1850, the present day delusion is an attempt to enrich everyone at the expense of everyone else. To make plunder universal under the pretense of organizing it. What we are witnessing is that we are paying a such a substantial amount of our savings. We are going to work and we are paying child care expenses that is exhausting the fees that an employer is capable of paying. And so that plunder is legal, but yet it is unlawful and thereby it is illegal to deprive a person of their basic fundamental right to have a life of enjoyment. To enjoy the amusements of life. Not only liberty, but there is, there is a component to an, an amusement enjoyment. And that is not just for one class of people. Anchor with me. To make plunder universal under the pretense of organizing it. And so I call our legal system what it has become, what it has been bred off of a a criminal organization and everything else comes from those seeds and it's rooted up and it's rooted up in each of us that continues to partake in it that follows it and that even needs and depends on it and so how do we move forward past this legal plunder has many names now, legal plunder can be committed in an infinite number of ways. Thus, we have an infinite number of plans for organizing it. Tariffs, protection, benefits. They call them privileges and entitlements now. Social programming. That they're making you pay for. Pay attention. Subsidies. Encouragements. Progressive taxation. Public schools. Public schools. And education. They say you must have. You must pay them for it. In one way or the other. Guaranteed jobs. Guaranteed profits. Minimum wages. A right to relief. A right to the tools of labor. Free credit. Free credit? Free credit? Who has enjoyed free credit? And so on and so on. Because we're in 2019 now. All these plans as a whole. With their common aim of legal plunder. Constitute socialism. And so those things derive from the ideology of socialism. And so that is why after imperialism takes in new forms and people are becoming more encouraged by uh, capitalism and monetizing from the benefits of capitalism. Chattel, humans, people are the best stock.
They're going to do the work. They're going to purchase the products. They're going to buy the businesses. They're going to buy the service. These are facts. So why, why would a system that has designed and built its existence over that ever want to do away with it, ever want to annihilate itself in its own existence? I don't see it that way. Anchor with me. Now, since under this definition, socialism is a body of doctrine, what attack can be made against it other than a war of doctrine? If you find this socialistic doctrine to be false, absurd, and evil, then refute it. And the more false, the more absurd, and the more evil it is, the easier it will be to refute. Above all, if you wish to be strong, begin by rooting out every particle of socialism that may have crept into your legislation. This will be no light task. Mr. Day Montalembert has been accused of desiring to fight socialism by the use of brute force. Now, do you see when you think about what was said before and the police being against socialism at this time in 1850s? And if you, you see and hear and remember, Mr. De Montalembert stance and that they are accusing him of being a fighter against this. And this is something that they're standing for. They, they, with such a brazen force, is going to utilize their authority when they're supposed to be there for lawful purposes. They ignore that. They don't have a regard for it. They bypass it and freestyle because at the end of the day, we are human beings with perceptions and bias and prejudices. And we take that into our jobs. And it's only a great few that can actually separate that. He ought to be exonerated from this accusation. For he has plainly said the war that we must fight against socialism must be in harmony with law, honor, and justice. Do we, do we not want our leaders to be lawful? Do we not want them to be honorable? Do we not want to honor and respect them? And do not want to see them as justful figures? That they, at all means, are going to be fair and impartial figure in this judicial process. In the process of civil rights that has so much to do with universal oppression and suffrage. That has... It has exploded that it's not only affecting colored people, but that other people have jumped on this boat and has seen the harms that they too, as a separate community from their racial groups and cultural groups are being affected in the modern pretense. But why does not Mr. Dave Montalembert see that he has placed himself in a vicious circle? Because, see, when you advocate and you stand for something uh, against what is oppressive, you are going to be battled with such a brazen brute force. You will have to be strong and fierce. It has nothing to do with you being um, defiant at a principle. For you to define someone else's authority when they really hold none. It is the appearance of something. But if you cannot control a situation without a gun and any training, then you are not really an authority figure to me. You would use the law to oppose socialism, 
But it is upon the law that socialism itself relies. Socialists desire to practice legal plunder. Not illegal plunder. So they want it systematic. To, under a guise. Socialists, like all other monopolists, desire to make the law their own weapon. And when once the law is on the side of socialism, how can it be used against socialism? For when plunder is abetted by the law, it does not fear your courts, your gender mines, and your prisons. Rather, it may call upon them for help. To prevent this, you would exclude socialism from entering into the making of laws. You would prevent socialists from entering the legislative palace. You shall not succeed, I predict, so long as legal plunder continues to be the main business of the legislature. It is illogical, very illogical, in fact, absurd to assume otherwise. The choice before us, this question of legal plunder, must be settled once and for all. And there are only three ways to settle it. One, the few plunder the many. Two, everybody plunders everybody. Three, nobody plunders anybody. And so we are faced with a choice, and we each make one, consciously or subconsciously. We are making one. We must make our choice among limited plunder, but yet says universal plunder and no plunder. The law can follow only one of these three. Limited legal plunder. This system prevailed when the right to vote was restricted. One would turn back to the system to prevent the invasion of socialism. Universal legal plunder. We have been threatened with the system since the franchise was made universal. The newly enfranchised majority has decided to formulate law on the same principle of legal plunder that was used by their predecessors when the vote was limited. No legal plunder. This is the principle of justice, peace, order, stability, harmony, and logic. Until the day of my death. I shall proclaim this principle with all the force of my lungs, which, alas, is all too inadequate. And in all sincerity, can anything more than the absence of plunder be required of the law? Can the law which necessarily requires the use of force? Can the law which necessarily requires the use of force? Can the law call itself a lawful structure when it brutalizes human beings? When it places people on a court to put them for the death penalty. And that's the question that I pose to you listeners. That is the question that I pose. Do you conduct yourself and do you be an enabler of legal plunder? Because simply it calls itself lawful. Can the law, which necessarily requires the use of force, rationally be used for anything except protecting the rights of everyone. I defy anyone to extend it beyond this purpose without perverting it and consequently turning might against right. This is the most fatal and most illogical social perversion that can possibly be imagined. It must be admitted that the true solution, so long searched for in the area of social relationships, is contained in these simple words. Law is organized justice. And so how do we have law without organized justice?
And so what we truly have is a criminal organization, a criminal organization of unlawfulness conducting itself in an organized injustice way. Now this must be said, when justice is organized by law, that is by force. This excludes the idea of using law, force, to organize any human activity whatever. The Bible restricts and condemns that practice. Whether it be labor, charity, agriculture, commerce, industry, education, art, or religion, the organizing by law of any one of these would inevitably destroy the essential organization of justice. For truly, how can we imagine force being used against the liberty of citizens without it also being used against justice? For truly, listen to me people, anchor with me. For truly, how honestly can we imagine force being used, brutality against our liberties, against citizens, against refugees, against asylum seekers, against immigrants, without it also being used against justice? and thus acting against its proper purpose because justice is there to confine, to safeguard lawfulness, not to perpetrate unlawful. Shield the Beast, anchor with me, okay? The seductive law of socialism with Bastiat the law. Here I encountered the most popular falsity of our times. It is not considered sufficient that the law should be just. It must be philanthropic. Nor is it sufficient that the law should guarantee to every citizen the free and inoffensive use of his faculties for physical, intellectual, and moral self-improvement. Instead, it is demanded that the law should directly extend welfare, education, and morality throughout the nation. This is the seductive law of socialism. And I repeat again, these two uses of the law are in direct contradiction to each other. We must choose between them. A citizen cannot at the same time be free and not free. A citizen cannot at the same time be free and not free. And so I say to you, how can a government that's sole purpose is to exercise its own right, privileges, and immunities for the rights of the people? Governed by the powers given by the will of the people. How is it possible? How is it possible that the government can do that when the government restricts the freedoms of the people? You cannot be free and unfree. You cannot be free and unfree. It is offensive to try to perpetrate such an inhumane fraud on a society that is not stupid. Perhaps you are creating delusions for people. You are displacing them in a stupor with the illusions of thoughts. But a citizen cannot at the same time be free and not free. So I say, at 
the hands and the might of a modern socialistic practice in 2019. What option, what choice do you take? What choice do you partake in? Do you support legal or illegal plunder? Anchor with me. Because there are dangers associated with socialism. Very, very dangerous consequences. Instead, we must revitalize ourselves. We must reform ourselves. We must consider what the idea of progress is for, for us as a whole, for us as a community, for us as a nation, for us as a group of people, for us as a racial class, for us as people in society as a whole. Mr. De Lamartine once wrote to me thusly, your doctrine is only the half of my program. You have stopped at liberty. I go on to fraternity. I answered him, the second half of your program will destroy the first. In fact, it is impossible for me to separate the word fraternity from the word voluntary. I cannot possibly understand how fraternity can be legally enforced without liberty being legally destroyed and thus justice being legally trampled, trampled underfoot. Anchor with me. The roots of plunder. Legal plunder has two roots. One of them, as I have said before, is inhuman greed. The other is in false philanthropy. At this point, I think that I should explain exactly what I mean by the word plunder. I do not, as is often done, use the word in any vague, uncertain, approximate, or metaphorical sense. I use it in its scientific acceptance as expressing the idea opposite to that of property. Wages, land, money, or whatever, in instances, humans, chattel. When they're used as such. When a portion of wealth is transferred from the person who owns it without his consent and without compensation and whether by force or by fraud to anyone who does not own it then I say that property is violated that an act of plunder is committed I say that this act is exactly what the law is supposed to suppress always and everywhere. But when the law itself commits this act, that it is supposed to suppress, I say that plunder is still committed, and I add that from the point of view, forming a new point of view with socialism and society and welfare. It is aggressive against rights, and even worse, in this case of legal plunder, however, the person who receives the benefits, the government, the state, the city, police departments, the schools, the hospitals, the clinics, is not responsible for the act of plundering.
because they are incapable of punishing and prosecuting the other as they have a relatable behavior. It's plunder. The responsibility for this legal plunder rests with the law, the legislature, and society itself. Therein lies the political danger. It is to be regretted that the word plunder is offensive. I have tried in vain to find an inoffensive word, for I would not at any time, especially now, wish to add an irritating word to our dissensions. Thus, whether I am believed or not, I declare that I do not mean to attack the intentions or the morality of anyone who is morale and meaning well. Anchor with me. Rather, Bastiat says, I am attacking an idea which I believe to be false. A system which appears to me to be unjust. An injustice so independent of personal intentions that each of us profits from it without wishing to do so. And suffers from it without knowing the cause of the suffering. Three systems of plunder. The sincerity of those who advocate protectionism, socialism, and communism is not here questioned. Any writer who would do that must be influenced by a political spirit or a political fear. It is to be pointed out, however, that protectionism, socialism, and communism are basically the same plant in three different stages of its growth. All that can be said is that legal plunder is more visible in commun communism because it is complete plunder. Listen, communism, how we see in North Korea and China and in these cultures and these nations. Communism is very restricted very beneficial to its government and its body of governing sources and individuals. Very self-serving. Very lustful in its cupidity and its greed. And so is that really conducive to lawfulness? Or is that just a structure of a dictatorship, a monarchy? That is just condemning people because there is no one standing against it and no one raging a war against it to stop it. But it is okay for it to rage wars against people to keep them in oppression under a communist state and government. And so what is our government democracy? What is, what is, it, what is government really now? Is it just a corrupt group of people just getting together and coloring themselves with the badge and just perpetrating the fraud on everyone and telling everyone that there's something that they're not and calling it something to get away with doing harmful things to us. I think we need to really explore that on a theological level. On a very theological level. All that can be said is that legal plunder is more visible in communism. Thus it follows that of the three systems. Socialism is the vaguest, the most indecisive, and consequently, the most sincere stage of development. But sincere or insincere, the intentions of persons are not here under question. In fact, I have already said that legal plunder is based partially on philanthropy. 
even though it is a false philanthropy. It falls under socialism, charity. You are using people, exploiting people, and using people and their defects, displacements, their grief to monetize and to gain a publicity for yourself, even if they get the moment in time. And so that is plunder behavior as well. And we see it every day. YouTube and some of these, these platforms are very plentiful as well because they don't have to pay you, but they are monetizing at substantial levels by utilizing you and your likeness. In fact, I have already said that. <laughs> With this explanation, let us examine the value, the origin and the tendency of this popular aspiration, which claims to accomplish the general welfare by general plunder. Law is force. Since the law organizes justice, the socialist asks why the law should not also organize labor, education, and religion. Why should not law be used for these purposes? Because it could not organize labor, education, and religion without destroying justice. We must remember that law is force and that consequently the purpose functions of the law cannot lawfully extend beyond the proper functions of force. When law and force keep a person within the bounds of justice, they impose nothing but a mere negation. They oblige him only to abstain from harming others, <laughs> thereby protecting the rights of others, right? They violate neither his personality, his liberty, nor his property. They safeguard all of these. They are defensive. They defend equally the rights of all. Anchor with me. Law is a negative concept. The harmlessness of the mission performed by law. And lawful defense is self-evident. The usefulness is obvious. And the legitimacy cannot be disputed. As a friend of mine once remarked, this negative concept of law is so true that the statement, the purpose of the law is to cause justice to reign, is not a rigorously accurate statement. It ought to be stated that the purpose of the law is to prevent injustice from reigning. In fact, it is injustice instead of justice that has an existence of its own. Justice is achieved only when injustice is absent. Justice is achieved only when injustice is absent. So that is why in 2019, we still have a mentally ill world. Because people aren't given the room, the opportunity to grieve, to build, to create to even love, to exist. Because you're being stuck in a state of unjust injustice by this very system. We depend on to protect us from injustices and to preserve lawful justice. But when the law by means of its necessary agent force 
imposes upon many a regulation of force, a method, or a subject of education, a religious faith or creed. <clears throat> then the law is no longer negative. It acts positively upon people, or so they think. It substitutes the will of the legislator for their own wills. The initiative of the legislator, the best deceptive practice, for their own initiatives. When this happens, the people no longer need to discuss, to compare, to plan ahead, or will fight against. The law does all this for them. Intelligence becomes a useless prop for the people. So you don't have to be intelligent because your thoughts are left upon a mere group of people who is not basing anything on intelligence. It's on self. They cease to be men. They lose their personality, their liberty, their property. Thereby, you lose your existence of being a human by voluntarily giving it up. Try to imagine a regulation of labor imposed by force that is not a violation of liberty, slavery, having to go to work and you're disabled, having to go to work and you really can't afford to go to work and going to work is a fee, whether you have children or not, a transfer of wealth imposed by force that is not a violation of property, if you cannot reconcile these contradictions, then you must conclude that the law cannot organize labor and industry without organizing injustice. And so our system has an interest in organizing injustice, behaving unlawfully so that they can monetize because they are always monetizing the birth and death through their systematic policies and practices they implement and subject us to, to defy us of all those most important things, most important things that we must remember moving forward because plunder is too dangerous. Plunder takes yourself from you. Plunder takes you from you. Do you understand that? The Lord does all of the thinking for you. You don't need to compare plan ahead. You don't need to discuss and debate people. No. Your intelligence will become a useless prop. You will cease to be grown men and women and seen as such. You will lose your personality, your identity, your liberty, and your right to stand up for yourself. Have a response. Any human reflex will be restricted. Your property will be taken at will and it will be called a forfeiture or they will name it whatever they want and they will tell you you can't drive and they will tell you I stole your car and you can't drive and I'm going to find you for this and I'm going to charge it for this and if you want to drive you're going to pay me this and you're going to pay me this you're going to pay them this and you're going to pay this. It's plunder and it's an organized injustice against America and the citizens. Until next time. Law with Bastiat. Part 3 coming. Anchor me. So after reading Bastiat, we have to consider some things. Do we follow law? Or in this instance of today, do we follow a president defined cloth with the color of law that delegates illegal tasks and duties 
on a federal, state, and a local level. To all leadership, to treat racism as it is accepted, to be ignorant to the harms of it, and to brazenly act as if the behavior is not dangerous. Directly breaking all laws. Do we want that? Do we truly want that? The president doesn't even understand what a presidential oath is. Because he broke it before he took it, and he broke it while he took it, and he broke it since he has taken it. And so is it just not an option for an individual with such ambitious motives to be able to exercise political powers beyond their individual powers? Thereby putting us all at risk. Is that not a national security risk to have an incapable, incompetent, unqualified individual violating all people's due process, displacing people without housing or economical opportunities? It's inhumane. Anticipating even Considering the idea of pardoning yourself or a CBP chief, it's a violation. It's beyond immoral. I'm going to pardon a person that I encouraged, influenced, employed to break the laws on behalf of me. Of course, they have an interest to pardon that person because they are the main culprit. And so what is law that is so disturbed? Unlawful and unjustful, but an injustice anchor me.